How's everyone doing? Uh, nice to be here on this wonderful July 5th to celebrate another Commune podcast uh, anniversary. This is our, um, like, 40th monthly anniversary or something. Uh, so, how did everyone celebrate their July 4th? Xanrio, uh, what did you do for July 4th this year? Uh, <laughs> just um, the usual? Stop by I'm North American. Oh, that's a very good way of not being American. (laughs) (laughs) What is uh, Norway? uh, What is your guys' uh, like Independence Day or National Day or whatever? It's uh, May 17th. Okay. What do you normally do for that? What I do? (laughs) Well, or what's like the traditional celebration? Oh, uh, those people um, gathering this like big parade march and stuff. But a lot of people, are, but a lot of people are just go off to hunt stuff. Um, I just went on to the city to see what was going on and asked from this fun pair that was set up. All right. Places, so let's try it. Have fun. Yeah. Sounds good. We're learning nice. about other cultures. What do you celebrate in specifics? Yeah. Uh, um, you mean like a battle or something? Yeah, like is it a, is it a battle or a severance of from a nation or start yeah, yeah. of a nation? Which yeah. is it? Independence. Okay, so there is some narrative to this. Warrior fan, have a how was your July Fourth? It was good. I mean, yeah. it wasn't you know. What did you do for it? I I played video games and ate pizza. What what do you want? Why were you on your phone? What do you want? <laughs> Stop bugging me about being on a phone. <laughs> That's irrelevant. Did your computer get a virus on July fourth? No, 4th? I'm just on vacation, sort of. I'm quote unquote vacation. vacation. Vacation from your computer? Yes. <laughs> A vacation from your computer is no vacation at all. Oh, I know. that's the opposite of vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, to abandon all my files and everything. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, is that is that why you're not celebrating? Because you had your Independence Day plans uh, saved on your computer? <laughs> yes, I had it saved in a TXT file, Microsoft Word. Man. And then I, I Jeez, realized... Word for a TXT. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, wait, I'm going to be on vacation. I'm not going to be able to refer to this TXT file. <laughs> wow. Oh. Truly a statement on how technologically dependent we've all become. <laughs> <laughs> I could have used Dropbox. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shouty, did you do something especially New Yorkian for July 4th? No. I just I also play video games. I played Splatfest. I don't know what that is, but I feel like it sounds a little disrespectful for it to have been <laughs> I told you about it, like when we were in the subway station. Um, yeah, in Splatoon. I, I do know. Uh like the first half of it and then if you recall that story correctly, I then had to run back to my hotel because I didn't have my Metro card. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you're you're hosting a Splatoon cast and you don't know what Splatfest is? 
Uh, I barely know what Splatoon is, to be totally honest. I'm just going secondhand here. Boy, we picked the wrong guy. No, we didn't pick him. He picked himself. Yeah, I did pick myself on this one, so sorry. I I mean, Zanya's the only one who's been a squid here, so, you know, I think she's the most qualified. What do you mean she's been a squid? Cosplay. Cosplay. Oh. I don't know if you could be a squid just through cosplay. (laughs) Well, that's what the characters in Splatoon are doing, right? They're not actually squids. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, well, that's the second squid I've cosplayed. What's the first? Uh, Ikamusuma, Squid Girl. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, not a character I'm familiar with. You will be. <laughs> no, you won't. No, I, I might, considering the, uh, you know, Miiverse posts about you know, everything in the world squid-related when it comes to the Splatoon hub. Yeah. And by everything in the world squid-related, I do mean explicitly Squidward. You know, to, today when I... Squid. When I got on Splatoon, I was like, uh, congrats to my dogs for winning. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought they were just using slang, and I didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they were congratulating their dogs. You know that they have nearby when they play. Roof. <laughs> Did you make this hat, Zenrio? Yes. Um, good. I ordered a week, but it didn't arrive in time. Because mm-hmm. I first ordered another week, but it was in the wrong color. Didn't match the pentacles, so I had to get another one that didn't arrive in time. So I just had to uh, make it myself. Yeah, it's good. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. And, uh, Golem, did you do anything squid-related yesterday? No, uh, I I went to Pizza Hut, and then we watched Return to Oz. Yeah, I was trying to think about something patriotic about watching Return to Oz, but I think it might be just the opposite. Yeah, it was kind of just a weird movie. You should have watched 1776. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can't watch a year. Yeah, so I sat out on the balcony and watched fireworks while listening to some classical music. And all I have to say about that is, you know, Dvorak worked, but Beethoven needs to learn a thing or two about writing fireworks music. Maybe don't listen listen to the fireworks music he wrote. Well, he didn't write any fireworks music. He wrote canon music. Hear at what? Candle music? Yes. It's close enough, right? Candle music. Uh, yeah, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, a firework's basically just a candle thrown into the air, so. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Alright, well, Warrior Fan, what have you been playing? Oh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Brain Age concentration training. Is that because your concentration's been suffering lately? I'm sorry, what'd you say? (laughs) (laughs) I need to play some brain age sarcasm. (laughs) Is that on DS? No, that's the 3DS one. The sarcasm training one? Oh, (laughs) damn it. I can't tell what's what anymore. Uh, (laughs) Wait, there was a brain age for 3DS? I didn't know the series was still going. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, there's you know, one. Yeah, just the one. 
Oh, and, okay. and the gimmick with this one is that the doctor, instead of trying to train your brain, he trains your, your concentration. So, like, the, the main focus is, is, like, he'll show you a calculation, but you can't answer it yet, so he hides it. Then he shows you another calculation, but you have to answer the one you saw previously. So you have to train your working memory. All right. Yeah. It just doesn't sound fun, but it does sound like a test. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's brain age. Also... <clears throat> It has Dr. Mario and Wario's Woods in it, so that's pretty cool. That is a pretty nice treat. Do you have to, like, watch Wario's Woods while you play Dr. Mario? <laughs> no, it's, they didn't do anything fun like that. They just It's just straight up Dr. Mario and Wario's Woods, except without all the Mario aesthetics. Or Toad. Or Toad aesthetics. Oh, wait, so the, it's like a remake of those games? Yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't Dr. Mario Virus Buster? It's yeah, they call really it Virus bizarre. Buster. And it, they play these calming remixes of Chill and Fever while you drag and drop virus. And you the Wario's Woods. Yes. And the <laughs> Wario's Woods one is called Blob Blast. And it's I don't understand a, how that's related to Wario's Woods. Because you use bombs. Yeah. You're blasting blobs. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. Okay. Uh, that sounds like something I'll never play, but I'm sure you're enjoying it. Shouty, how about you? What have you been up to? Well, the last thing I did was Splatfest and in Splatoon, but a non-Splatoon game I've been playing was Codename Steam. Ah, uh, that's right. I heard it's uh, quite an XCOM-style delight, featuring our favorite characters from Return to Oz. Yeah, basically. Does it have the chicken from Return to Oz? No. It doesn't have any chickens. What's the point of it, then? I wonder if it was made by names. <laughs> Why would it be made yeah. by gnomes? <laughs> this isn't worth explaining. This is an in-joke that I think one person in the universe will get. Well, that's uh, what in-jokes are. Well, in Return to Oz, chickens are banned from Oz because it's ruled by gnomes. So I'm not explaining any more than that. Okay. <laughs> Watch the movie. It's worth watching. Okay. Sam Riel, uh, what have you been playing? Well, other than Splatoon, I've been playing, of course, Yoshi's Woolly World. Oh, man, you're so lucky. Yes, indeed. You're so lucky to play a Yoshi game that's good. Yeah. So, what are you implying? Are you implying there's no Yoshi game that's good? Well, do, you, do you want to talk about Yoshi Topsy Turvy and defend that? I can try. <laughs> I don't expect you yes. to. I don't want to push that on you as a as a requirement. So how's Woolly World? Uh, well, I'm the host. <laughs> uh, anyway, so anyway, the game is really fun. And I feel like it takes the best from Yoshi's Island and Yoshi's Story and puts them together. Kind of. Do you use gyro controls? I just use the standard setup. Yeah, I was really excited when they brought back the gyro controls from Yoshi's New Island. Because I do not care for traditional Yoshi's Island style aiming. Okay. Do you uh, like the wool theme better than the yarn theme from Kirby's Epic Yarn? I like both, but yeah, it's definitely a really nice art style. And yes. Alright, well, I'm sure we all look forward to playing that, like, what, <laughs> three months from now or something? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, look forward to it. Um, it's also really fun collecting all the Amiibo Yoshis. 
No, you know, the Yarn Yoshi Amiibos. Do you yeah, have Sonic yet? Not enough yet, but... Ow. He kind of never gets sold off from stores here, so I can get one whenever I want. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, I have overhopped the Smash Amiibos now, so... Got a good collection on here. Alright, Golem, how about you? I don't think generations to come will understand the import of this statement, but I've been playing Mother 1 on Wii U. Yes. I watched you play it for, like, a half hour the other day. <laughs> it was the most boring half hour of my entire life. Yeah, it's not the best game. A lot of the combat you can just put on auto and then, like, text while it's working out. It's like a chess computer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh... Yeah. yeah, the story is still really charming, and I remember the combat getting better later on. Uh, yeah, that's, it gets worse. Really? I mean, it, it gets good? it gets better once you have more than one party member. But it gets brokenly unfair. You, you think it gets unfair? I mean, like, when you get to the last level. Um, okay. What about it makes it unfair? Do you think, like, enemies are too powerful? Yeah. Okay. I honestly spent so much time being lost in Mother that I was overleveled for a good portion of it. The major distinction between Mother and Earthbound, I feel, is that Earthbound is much tighter, more linear, whereas Mother has more backtracking, which makes it even more annoying that A, there are random encounters, and B, you have to sit through even low-level encounters. But the backtracking in Earthbound is more meaningful. It moves on the plot, but the backtracking in... Earthbound Beginnings is just because you're going back to Magic Hands. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean by Earthbound feels more honed and Mother feels more loose. Yeah. So, yeah, it's more that I enjoy its release for the sake of its release as, like, just because it's a game that didn't come out more than anything. Uh, The story is charming enough that I would play through it, and I already have played through it. Well, let me ask this. You've played other NES RPGs. How do you think it stacks against the likes of Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior? See, I played like the first quarter of Final Fantasy, and I haven't put any time into Dragon Warrior. <clears throat> um, I thought you had played through Final Fantasy. You always bitch about it. <laughs> uh, I would say Mother... I've never been stuck in Mother. Like Earthbound, it's a game that's very willing to push you ahead. So, one way it does that is by having the Dragon Quest rule for dying, where you keep all your experience. And another way it does that is just by having no puzzles or very shallow puzzles. Well, yeah. There are some cryptic things in Earthbound Beginnings. Yeah, like having to read people's minds. It's pretty crazy. (laughs) It's kind of a Golden Sun ripoff, but that's okay. (laughs) Alright, Earthbound Beginnings, Yoshi's Woolly World, Brain Age something something, and... Concentration Training. Brain Age, Concentration Training, and whatever Shaddy was playing. Uh, Yeah, Woolly's World, I think, wins that one. True. Now that we're mid-Splatfest or whatever, uh, I know that a lot of us have been playing multiplayer in Splatoon. So, have you guys been playing 
more of the multiplayer or um, more of the single player or just at least um, what have you preferred about the game? I I mean, I like both modes, but it's easy to just sit down and put on multiplayer mode and just shoot stuff and not really care about what I'm doing. It's a really fun, casual experience. Yeah, multiplayer mode is kind of main core of the game, so it's what I'm going to be playing for most of my hours in tune. And do you feel like Golem, like you just play and turn off your brain, or does it challenge you? I I put some effort into it. I try to get better at it. Do you think you actually have gotten better? Uh, with the amount of options, it's kind of hard to gauge my progress because you have different <laughs> weapon options and different things to get good at in the game. Okay, so there's variety regardless of whether you're getting any better. Mm-hmm. Zanrio, have you been getting good at the multiplayer? Yeah, kind of. What's your kill-death ratio? <laughs> oh, I'm not it. I don't think this game tracks that. It's too uh, polite. It does. It it, does. In ranked mode, right? Yeah, in ranked oh, mode, okay. it's kind of how it ranks you on your team, but in turf war, you just rank you have by how much turf you cover overall, not in the end. Hmm. I guess I should stop playing turf war. Well, have you gotten to level 10 yet? I don't no. know. I, I don't really like the multiplayer, but... Huh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I take it we've all beaten the single player? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. I read these questions, and um, I've been looking at the game with respect to both the single player and the multiplayer, but to be perfectly honest, I have mostly played single player because that's what I enjoy. I've found the multiplayer to be there are certain limitations that make it boring but I think that strategically and, and mechanically it's still very complex and uh, very interesting to look at so I think we should be able to pursue this discussion either way Warrior fan, how about you? or uh, What level are you? I'm at level 11 uh, Level 20 Max? Ooh. Yeah, I'm pretty outclassed here, I think. I'm level 7, so... Oh. I was playing a lot of level 20s, like, the week after the game came out, so... Yeah, that seems about right. Well, I'm level 20. So do you, like, use that to lord over people? (laughs) No. The thing about levels is that they, they do nothing except unlock weapon options. Yeah, but some of the weapon options are just strictly superior to the earlier ones? Not necessarily. You can get some pretty good mileage out of a Splattershot Junior. Yeah, I know, but, like, the Splattershot Senior is just a better version of that. No, not really. It has better stats. No. The Splattershot Junior has a faster rate of fire. Okay. So you can spread ink more easily with it. It's just called the Splattershot Junior because it looks like a classic toy pistol. Water pistol. Yeah, I looked at the stats and thought I saw that the first set of weapons were not viable past unlocking more. But then again, I guess it doesn't make a substantial difference anyway. The stats don't. Well, the stats are um, of each weapon are are taken into account with what sub weapons you get with them. Oh, so you get better 
sub weapons with yeah, the you worst might get, weapons. Yeah, you might get a sub weapon that that complements it better. Yeah, I thought the use of weapon sets itself was a bit odd. Uh, the way that works. Everyone's been spending a lot of time on the multiplayer, but either way, as I said, let's keep both in mind and feel free to use examples from either. Just on a general level, uh, before we talk about ink, I want to talk about the um, environment itself, and then we're going to move on to how ink influences the environment and how inking the environment influences your gameplay and then how inking the environment defines your approach to combat. To start off, Wario fan, how does the environment, regardless of ink, play into your combat strategy? Like, what are just some elements of it on a very basic level that uh, assist or impede you? Man, regardless of ink, that's kind of a hard question. Because, like, the, the, like, slopes and really tall towers, they're, 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 like, impossible to even traverse for strategy without ink, so. Well, yeah, and that's an answer to the question. I mean, or, not the answer, but that is, uh, you know, there are those parts of the environment that are simply, uh, walls without ink, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were looking, like, strategies that involve traversal without the ink. So what I mean is, like, before you ink the environment, like, what does a wall mean to you? Uh, it'd be a wall. <laughs> well, it's cover, right? Yeah. Right. So it's cover or, you know, what's the purpose of a ramp or uh, a fence or something? Oh, yeah. Well, the fence, fences at least you can squid through without inking. So that's... That can sometimes be a blessing or a curse. Have you played on Bluefin Depot yet? I don't know that I have, but I'm sure someone here has. Okay. Bluefin Depot is a is a level is used as a level in single player mode. It's the bridge like area that looks like a war. Oh, okay. There's there's a a fence near the beginning of the area, and if you happen to squid through there by accident, you you fall down into the water. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Definitely done that before. Whereas, like, fences in, like, Urchin Underpass, you can squid through and go to some other secret area you couldn't if you were a kid. So that's, like, you know, good strategy there. So then the fences are used to engage your um, squidding capability? Yes. All right. Shouty, uh, how do walls come into play for you? I use them as cover. I try to be careful around walls to make sure, even though there's a wall in front of me, I have my bearings straight. You uh, may be careful when going around corners, for instance. Yeah, or I can use it to my advantage. Just to okay. an enemy. So it's visual cover, mm -hmm. uh, as well as cover from fire. Yeah, that's really what it's mostly. So that's a distinction there from fences, which are not visual cover. Oh no! You can even you can even shoot through fences, so they're not even physical cover. Golem, any other environment or pieces of the environment that have influential features? If you can get up high, you can see more stuff. And um, because of the way ink works in this game, projectiles 
are subject to gravity more so than bullets are. So if you're up high enough, someone can't shoot you because the ink just doesn't go up that high. And you can see them. Yeah, that's a uh, pretty useful advantage. There are some weapons that allow you to get around that. I think the sniper rifle in particular. But you still have the visual advantage from up high. Xanria, when it comes to maps, are there uh, particular routes or paths that you um, find yourself using a lot or get to know eventually? Yeah, I guess on a software leg, I usually just go straight to that big area all the way to the back of the stage in the middle row. Okay, so is that because there's usually more action over there because there's more area to cover or? Yeah, yeah. And then I can send a to me message, so if you do person like you aren't there too, so. In case one dies, then there's still another one to stay there. Okay. Do you sort of hang around the same area while you're playing a match, or do you uh, try to get around a lot and move to different areas of the map and different portions of the map? Yeah. Usually I just try to go to different areas, see where. What's the closest part where that's not cold in my thing sink and go there? And also where I can call it the rifts and the most okay. So that leads into my next question, which is, uh, I guess to everyone, what determines where you're uh, going on the map? I don't really have general mindset or anything. I just see where things haven't splatted and I splat them. So you just look at your map for uh, where there's a higher percentage of enemy ink or just a low percentage of yours and Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. If there's if there's empty space I I go there or if there's an abundance of enemy ink I go there. You know, my my goal is to go in without thinking so I don't really Pay attention to where the enemy positions are. I just, I just go in thinking splat, 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 splat. Something a little vulgar when you put it that way. Oh no! Something like conceptually neat that can lead to sort of shallow gameplay is that every splat you make influences the map. So it's kind of a neat idea in that the map is dynamic all over the place. But then that can also lead to strategies kind of devaluing the environment and uh, knowing your, you know, knowing how the mall is different from the depot is important for like the first 30 seconds. But as time passes, it becomes less and less important to do that and adapt more and more to your enemy's behavior in and of itself. So what you're saying is where there's ink in the level is a much stronger factor in design deciding your navigation, then what area is strategically advantageous? It changes over the course of the of the match, I would say. If I'm in the mall, because there are a lot of slopes, it's like a skate park type of area, um, I find it very easy just to get to my enemy's base and start splatting that immediately. And so that's the environment influencing what I do. But then, like a minute later, 
my enemy might have chosen to splat the east corner or near my base, and I'll have to shift to adapt to that. Okay. Uh, Xanir is experiencing a fire alarm right now. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so, okay. So then, more what you're saying is that, you know, if you own a territory already, then its strategic advantages are ultimately meaningless because you need to go get the area where the enemy is. Yeah. Shadi, are there, um, areas of certain maps that you find easier to ink or, uh, easier to retake or take in the first place? I feel like the easiest feature of geography on a map that'd be the easier easier to retake would be uh, ramps and vertical slopes. And why do you say that? It's like a wall that counts as floor, basically. So it's in, it's going to be in front of you, but it'll still count towards something. Because the walls don't count towards your score. Yeah, but you can go up. You can use a ramp to have horizontal mobility. Wow, I did not so, know that walls don't count towards your score. Oh, yeah, because that, that's why you get a bird's eye view of the stage when they tally up the points. Some host you are. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to blame this one on Nintendo for not communicating <laughs> oh that well. I'm coming over there. <laughs> I mean, they make the easiest to understand game in the world, but they can't even explain that only certain things that you paint mm -hmm. matter. Come on, guys. There's so much text in the game. It could have been a sentence in there somewhere. Oh. <laughs> it's, there's probably instructions for that. Just it happens to be written in squid. Right. So again, shame on me for not knowing. Yeah, shame on you for not learning squid. Well, I read all the squid lore, so I know a lot more about squids than you do. I think. I read the squid lore too. Yeah, but I read it, you know, twice. Yeah, probably. I don't care. <laughs> uh, Mexico is actually pretty funny Yeah uh, So yeah you were talking about a piece of the environment In particular ramps are easy to um, Take because they're You know in your line of sight Although they still count towards points Are there parts of uh, Stages that anyone Finds that tend to go First or there's always Like some parts of the map that you'll see At the end are always unink Or I mean not reliably but are there any reasons you see behind uh, that sort of stuff? I'd say it's because generally everybody races towards the middle, you know? So they, they, it's this big race to get to the middle where the most possible ink could be. So they race to get control of that. But, you know, meanwhile, that's, that's my cue to sneak off into the back alleys and ink that stuff. Yeah, the back alleys are almost never taken. Yeah. Especially almost. at the mall. Unless you have someone who's really brave. So, you know, the, the way that the back alleys aren't taken, those are usually dead ends, if I recall correctly, so... Eh, sometimes of... they can be shortcuts. Yeah. yeah. They're usually escape routes for if your team is being overtaken. So do you think it's fair to say that those often end up unpainted because they um, are out of the way? Part of it is that they're out of the way. Part of it is that they're limited utility because they're not a lot of area, whereas on that particular map, uh, the middle of the map is the bulk. Whereas the wharf map is almost entirely those two side lanes. That's the most space. 
presumably everyone prioritizes taking enemy territory over taking neutral territory, which also factors into that. Like, if you see that, okay, no one ever takes that one side lane, then you're getting more advantage from taking over obvious enemy regions than from going to get something that is not going to be touched otherwise. Maybe, but that's a question with more nuances than I think we can really speak to in that there's a value judgment about if territory is never taken, then that's going to be uncontested. You can splat that and then never think about it again, and that counts towards your score. Right. So, I mean, how do you approach that judgment? Because that's a decision you have to make in playing the match. It's not something arbitrary. Well, it depends on how, like, the behavior of your teammates. Part of what makes Turf War so weird is that you get shuffled with who you play against and who you play with. So it's hard to get a feel for what strategy, like, how should I play? Because I know my teammates are going to do, you know, my teammates love back alleys or my teammates love squidding up the base. Um, I'm sorry, splatting up the base. It's hard to, like, learn their behaviors because you're getting shifted from team to team. So making that judgment is, I find, arbitrary most of the time. I don't think it's arbitrary. I think that as you play round after round, you sort of adapt to different behaviors to begin with. So, like, Or at least your behavior is not as evident just, be- just based on where you want to go, where you want to splat. Because I noticed that... Um, how you spawn on your team at the very beginning of the match will determine where you where you take splatting uh, right in the beginning. Like if you're at the at the front, you're probably gonna go down the middle, and if you're on the sides of the spawn point, you're probably gonna take the side alleys. And if you're in the back, you're gonna take whatever wasn't splatted up. That's an so, interesting point. I hadn't considered that. I, I wouldn't equate behavior with where you want to go. Maybe um at the end of the match. Yeah, that's a, a behavioral uh, a characteristic where you, where you go. But most people at the end of the match are going to try and take over enemy territory because that's going to increase your score and deplete the enemy's score. I think that the short nature of the matches makes it so you only have a chance to make a couple changes to your strategy. You can't adapt too much because by the time you cross the stage to get that one little area that was uncovered you've lost a third of the match and also maybe half your territory. So what you thought was going to be important to get the extra 5% turns out to be irrelevant because you just wasted your entire match on something that didn't matter anyway, which I think is strange. I am not entirely sold on the three-minute match format and, as Golem said, the uh, team coordination where you're relying upon just any random player having the same understanding of the map that you do. Yeah, but I think if a match went any longer than three minutes, it'd be just like a tug-of-war at that point. Right, and I think that you would need larger maps to offset that. I think that the constraint to three-minute matches in small areas without any further development beyond yeah, the tug-of-war is just... That's why I think I've, I found the multiplayer fairly boring. Oh, okay. So, how does ink affect the environment in single player? Golem. In single player, you can use, I guess, the most obvious use is for stealth, 
because you can ink something and then squid through it, and enemies won't see you. So you can well, take stealthy positions by using ink. Keep in mind that's valid in multiplayer as well. No, you can see players when they squid. Only if they've been squidded for like five seconds or something. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you 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 are hit, hidden, but if you are moving, you can they can see your trail. Ink also, aside from enemies, there are a lot of level elements that are influenced by ink. Like you can spin propellers to raise platforms, or you can fill up sponges. And uh, I think sponges are maybe one of the more interesting ideas, where you and an enemy can fight over how big a sponge is. Like you can fill up a sponge, stand on it, and then an enemy can shoot the sponge to screw with your footing. How the hell does that make any sense that, like, blue ink fills up the sponge and purple ink shrinks it down? It's displacing it. Yeah, but also displacing itself? Yeah. Hey, did you know if you dye one sponge red and then dye another sponge blue and then put them in a blender, then they'll reform back into a red and blue sponge? Wait, are you joking? Uh, there's one specific species of sponge that you can do with. Oh. Oh, I thought you were talking about a, a, a kitchen sponge. Yeah, I just had no idea where that was going. <laughs> not, not the actual <laughs> animal. Not like well, Spongebob. <laughs> yeah, it's like Spongebob. If you cut him in half and then dyed half red and half blue. <laughs> Why are we talking about killing Spongebob? <laughs> well, it's it wouldn't not, be killing him. He... It's a 4th of July celebration. It's the 4th of July. <laughs> it's killing Spongebob 4th of July. <laughs> This will be the year we get them canceled. <laughs> you know, that is weird that multiplayer doesn't have any of those single-player obstacles like sponges or propellers. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a lot more feature-y in the single-player. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't figure out how to do sponges with two teams. Well, what they could have done was, like, have a... a okay, you have a large sponge of one of one, co- uh, one color, one team color. Yeah, and you sh- and the other team color shoots it. It would shrink it, and once it's shrink shrunk into its smallest form, only then will it uh, regrow neutral. in the color of the other team. I feel like sponges are far too dynamic an element to have eight players simultaneously interact with. And you know that sponge element kind of sounds like those you know ranked modes. You know, because ranked modes about like a, uh, an enemy. They'll have their own area, but then if you split that area enough, it becomes your area. Oh, yeah. The splat zones are like sponges, except not uh, an, an element. And those zones are just ground. Oh, so it's King of the Hill? Yeah. So, yeah, the the, the sponges are like King of the major King of the Hills. Now, is the King show? of the Hill still on? Unfortunately, yeah. no, it's not. <laughs> it was canceled six years ago. It was awful. So if you can't uh, use sponges, you could at least use, like, propellers, right? It was awful, but, uh... Yeah, or those geysers. Oh, yeah. Y- you know, th- my favorite element in single player that I don't really know would have any effect in multiplayer were the zip lines. I love the zip lines. Yeah, the, the zip lines are really yeah. fun. I wonder if there is a way you could put those in. Those are boring. What? Yeah, those are cool. I thought they were mostly fun in the hub world because it, it feels like you're building this personal zip line to explore the Octarian base. I my favorite use of the zip line is there's one of the UFO levels has the zip line up on the UFO, and so you can yeah. use it to like 
grind along the rail and then pop out to shoot the penguin guy. Penguin? Yeah, the giant guy who flaps around and shoots bombs. He's an octopus. Yeah. Oh, he's a penguin. <laughs> Octopenguin. When it comes to inking the environment, how do you guys, to put it in a very broad sense, aim? On the ground. <clears throat> Not where do you aim, how do you aim? What? Um, well, where do you aim is part of how do you aim. I mean, how else am I supposed to aim? But, I, I mean, do you walk around pointing straight at the ground? Yes. Oh. Is, is that, that a good strategy? Does that work? <laughs> No, it doesn't. No wonder you suck. Shut up! <laughs> I am a good player. <laughs> so no matter how many times you beat Super Mario World, you never will be. You mean Super Mario Brothers 2? No, it's a you are a super player at the end of Super Mario World. Well, no, that's that's the thing about Super Mario Brothers 2. It's, it's Super Mario Brothers for super players. No, it's Any, not. That's the, that's anyway, the tagline. Uh, so I don't in know what any single of that player. Means. I will try to read specific enemy locations because enemies are a lot more static in single player than in multiplayer. But in multiplayer, your goal is just to cover as much ground as possible. So if I want to get to the enemy base, I'll shoot in a straight line. And if I want to cover a lot of space, I'll just uh, I'll do circles on the thumbstick, on the right stick. So you'll just spin in a circle? <laughs> no, no, not like a... This Not is my spin. designated inking area. <laughs> I won't, like, hold the stick in one direction. I mean, I will draw a circle with the thumbstick, so I get some ground near me, I get some ground far away, I get some ground to the left, I get some ground to the right, and that covers a wide area. And that's also really helpful if you can do that from high ground. Yeah, I've never done that uh, circle pattern there before. I just use the gamepad gyroscope. Yeah, but, I mean, beyond mechanically how you aim do you try to cover an entire structure or do you just shoot in a straight line at everything that's ahead of you I just try to get as much ink on the ground in front of me before I have to reload again do you move while you're inking or do you pick a spot try to cover everything around you and then move on I try to be as mobile as possible because well, if you are inking a lot of turf, you are kind of required to be mobile because being mobile is how you reload, how you reload more efficiently. Because if you have a path in front of you that you can just squid through, you are reloading at the same time and moving on to uncovered territory. So I know my approach is that I shoot angled slightly at an arc upwards in front of me in a straight line and then just squid through and then shoot again and then arc in front of me and then squid through so that I can keep moving quickly while also um, covering some territory. But, and reloading. Right, without ever having to worry about ink. That's a strategy I mostly developed um, in the single player for getting through areas and in particular during boss battles. It lets you move quickly when you're not as worried about covering a lot of ground. In splatter mode or turf war mode or whatever, that is not as viable because it can provide a quick escape, but you're not getting a lot of coverage. Well, it depends how long you, how, how much time you spend uh, 
let's say, laying downing. Like if if you do what uh, Golem said about uh, thumbstick, which in my case I use, this, I just use the the gamepad gyroscope to sort of do a circular motion, like a semi-circular motion in front of me, and um, that that'll ink up the entire path while still leaving me with enough ink to reload for the next round of finding un- of uncovered territory. But in that situation, you're left vulnerable for longer. Yeah, so I wouldn't do that while I'm. While there is an enemy in, in the premises, uh, an, an opposing team member. I mean, in single player mode, the the AI is kind of brain dead, so it doesn't really matter. Well, the AI is pattern based in single player. It's not really AI in the sense of dynamically determining strategies. It's your enemies that you would expect no, from a it's Mario dynamic. game. It's yeah, it's dynamic in that it'll will change its behavior when it sees you and when it doesn't. Well, it'll act based on that, but it won't go into a different behavioral pattern. Yeah. Except for the, um, you know... Octo-people. Squid lands or whatever they're called. The, the octolings. Yeah, octobergs or whatever they're called. Octobergs? <clears throat> no. They're the, they're, the, they're the human forms of octopus. At the end of the day, where you ink is determined by like because moving through squid is or moving through ink is advantageous you want to make sure to leave your options open and the more options the better but also you can prioritize where to ink based on where you think enemies can aim um that's something i really had to learn with the final boss where he sends so much at you that you need to make sure to take specific positions where it's easy to shoot down whatever he's sending at you. Um, and so it's not about where you need to go next. It's about where you need to go next and then where you need to go after that. Like, you need to think a few steps ahead because the ink you just laid down is constantly being overtaken. Yeah, you need to think about how you're going to dodge his next next attack, depending on where you are. D- depending on the timing of his next attack. And that also plays into multiplayer, if you know you're facing a bunch of paint rollers, then you'll need an escape route that's different if you're just facing a bunch of 52 gallons. There is an escape route for paint rollers. You'd shoot them. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, po- case in point. But at the same time, if you're stranded on a, a small spot of your ink and are being attacked by paint rollers, you're going to get slowed down by enemy in case you try to run away and they gain the advantage. Oh yeah, but a uh, paint roller is not going to go into enemy ink. They're going to they're going to ignore it for uncovered or enemy uh, territory. Right, but naturally you're going to encounter enemies in their own territory if you're approaching their base or trying to take their territory. Because mm-hmm. when they die, they respawn at their base and are going to have to recross whatever. Oh well, yeah, if you are in their base near their spawn point, where they are likely going to see you. But paint rollers are kind of uh, a difference. Yeah, there's a different sort of strategy that goes around playing as a paint roller. And then playing against one. How do you find taking walls and um, non-point-worthy but potentially strategically viable territory to work out? If the wall leads to a path, I'm going to ink it up. But I'm not going to spend time on how I ink it. If it's good enough, I'm just going to leave it there and, and and scale it. 
So if okay. the wall doesn't really lead to a path, I'm not gonna. It, it's not. I don't think it's worth inking. Like even if for a sneak attack, it's probably not gonna happen because they can kind of see you moving up with the wall, and they'll know some things up, and you've kind of trapped yourself. So you're not ever going to ink except if it's immediately necessary. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about going in and out to manage ammo, but generally speaking, do you try to stretch your ammo tanks to the maximum capacity, or do you um, play it safe? Um, I try to play it safe, but I end up stretching it in a way that's not viable. So I'd prefer to play it safe. It's easy to keep up your momentum when you play it safe, but if you really need to lay into someone, then it is worth just getting rid of all of your ink. Like, if you're staring down a paint roller, you can usually take them out. But most of the time, if you're just running around and nobody's bothering you, swapping between refilling and inking, you can cover more territory than if you just straight up run out. Are there ever times in the single-player mode where you found yourself limited on ink? Only during the final boss. Um, Really, enemies don't bother you enough so that if you ever run out of ink, you can just find a safe spot. There are times when, in the single-player mode, as I think I mentioned to you, Golem, as I was playing, that I feel like the game really um, opens itself up to performance-based gameplay or really begs to have some kind of at least time trials or scoring system. And I think that MMO management is one of the places where a lot of that uh, optimization comes into play because you can't just shoot in a line and just squid through it because you will eventually run out of ammo. And I think one of the more entertaining challenges of the game is to try and play as fast as possible, and that is somewhere where when and how you manage your ammo matters. Yeah, it's fun to plot a course through a level so that you shoot as little ink as possible while making it through as quickly as possible. It's gratifying to play that way instead of playing ultra safe and just taking every pixel of ground as you come across it. Yeah, I think the game, for better or worse, lets you play in the really boring way and doesn't ever, except in the final boss battle, really challenge you to go beyond that, which is... Part of why I think the final boss is the best level. The DLC gets to that, doesn't it, Shouty? Yeah, the DLC. If you have the Squid Amiibo. It I'm not buying the Squid Amiibo. Fast. That's dumb. I mean, it's not DLC. It's physical DLC. Yeah, PLC. It's, it's physically loaded content? Content that's, <laughs> you know, not... You don't need to download, you just... Physically load it. Yeah, PLC. Okay. N- Nintendo uses the term add-on content, AOC. It's so dumb. Why is it dumb? It's descriptive. I don't like that term. They've used it, like, back when, in the Wii days. So? It was a dumb term, right? You you weren't paying attention to the Wii days. <laughs> Alright. Uh, well, it's dumb. No one's ever gonna play it, so let's just forget it exists. Because I'm not buying trash so that I can play more content in my video games. Your words hurt me. I'll pay money for air or nothing so that I can get more content, but I will not have to manage garbage so that I can deal with it. 
Oh, the He's amiibos. insulting the amiibos. It's blasphemous. It's fine. We're just toys. My room is messy enough as is. Pollution is what it is. It's disgusting. It's anti-progressive. It's destroying the world. Well, it kind of plays into the themes of the uh, squid lore, right? It does. (laughs) (laughs) The pollution? That's how the world died. Everyone bought amiibos until everyone was literally drowning in them. (laughs) They couldn't get air because they were just sinking in garbage squid toys. (laughs) All right. And then the... uh, they eventually liquefacted and turned into squid ink. Okay. How do you use your, like, inked regions beyond just shooting directly at enemies uh, to influence enemy behavior? For instance, in the single player, something that you don't really need to do but can do is uh, shoot in front of an enemy and then they'll, like, sink into it. But I think the potential for that is greater in multiplayer because players, you know, are dynamically going to adapt to regions. It is fun if you can surround a player with your ink, and then they're easy to shoot down from there. Uh, I try to do that whenever possible, because getting into someone, like a straight shootout with someone, never goes your way. So if you can get them sinking through your ink first, that's always better. You can also use ink to flank enemies. How's that? By going into squid form. Oh, I see. You squid and then you, uh, or you ink and then you squid up next to someone and pop them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just hide your ink. For squid buys. Yeah, just hide your ink and waiting for someone. Will you use it to trap enemies or uh, distract them or anything like that? I think if you're going to distract enemies, it would be with a sub weapon. Both yeah. in multiplayer and in single player. Yeah, have the bombs and stuff. But yeah, I can't think do. I can't think do that with the uh, ink mine, which is the weapon that comes with the uh, my weapon. The, the ink mine. It the ink mine. Oh, the ink mine. Yeah. Oh, ink mine. Yeah. yeah you yeah. can't. Really, I guess you can't distract with that. You're supposed to use that to oh. take out and. Yeah. But, yeah. Most of the subplots uh, so are spreading. A few times I managed to, to kill an enemy right after I killed myself, since I uh, put down like, the ball. Like, before I got shot. Mm-hmm. So you can use it for uh, instant revenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I often find it's hard to use bombs because they take up so much ink and I never a lot enough ink to a sub-weapon. Especially if you consider the proportion of uh, coverage to the weapon or to the ammo cost, they do eat up ink very quickly. Yeah, I guess in that sense, sub-weapons like bombs are used for retreats rather than um, distraction. So that is a distraction in itself uh, for retreat. Well, diversion, maybe, more than distraction. That's what I mean. Are there ways that you influence where the enemy will ink, like to draw their fire to particular areas? I think in the single player this is more obvious, maybe, than in multiplayer. 
I mean, enemy fire in single player is so slow that you could occupy one location, have them shoot at you, and then run to another place to shoot them. But in multiplayer, I feel like it boils down to more, I don't want to lose any territory, so why, why would I want to pick a ground that I could lose just for the sake of losing it? Yeah, Shadow, you're a warrior fan. Any instances of when you've tried to do that? I never tried to do that. If I'm going to draw an enemy away, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm just going to not con- confront them and for some other neutral or enemy territory that an enemy is not in the presence of. Actually, one thing I have noticed is um, if I'm focusing on a splat roller guy, someone, like one of my teammates, can come up from behind him, or I can come up from behind a splat roller when he's focused on someone else. So teammates can work together to distract someone. Yeah. Yeah. You can always outnumber someone. Well, yeah, I specifically noticed the flat roller scenario you're describing. Um, but then again, that isn't really dependent on ink either. No. You can do that in Counter Strike if you want. Are there flat rollers in Counter Strike? <laughs> <laughs> Just regular paint rollers, I think. <laughs> in single player, that is particularly useful or one place I guess that um, really stands out to me is in the levels where there's the artillery penguin attacking you and I don't ever want him to attack in front of me or block my path because then by the time I clear out the ink I will be getting attacked again so I'm pretty conscious of where I try to get him to fire more so than just running away from his attacks. And he'll lead his shots, right? Yeah, he will lead his shots, but that's the thing. You can lead his shot into a different direction. And even then, you can just go into squid form and hide in your ring to mitigate all that. Wait, so if you're in squid form, he doesn't track? Right. I guess I didn't remember that. Also in single player, the octopi with shields... You can pop up to get them to see you, and they'll shoot at you, and then squid over behind them. Like, that's a pretty basic example of using ink to distract, or to influence where someone shoots. Right. Altogether, would you find that ink is a guiding principle in your gameplay to the same extent in the multiplayer as in the single player? Or do you think it skews one way or the other? I mean, yeah. I think it's, uh, I mean, it's it's important to ink the territory to get through certain obstacles in single player, you know, spinners and stuff like that. How does that compare to multiplayer? You ink to win. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no immediacy like there is in single player or in multiplayer. What? There is no immediate effect of inking in multiplayer that there is in single player. Well, no. I mean, there is an immediate effect. You get each 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 inking of the ground gets you points. Well, technically, you, that's not an immediate effect because um, it's not. Yeah, points uh, don't matter until the end of the game. Well, but I mean, there is an immediate effect in that it influences where you can go next and yes. it determines what your subsequent strategies are. Yeah, there's there's definitely an immediate effect. Points <laughs> also get you, you know, your special gotch too, so. Oh, yeah. I think ink in multiplayer is more important for combat, and ink in 
single player is more important for mobility. I mean, mobility, the ink is important for mobility multiplayer, and you do using for combat and single player, but I think the combat side leads more towards multiplayer and just traversing levels. It's more suited to single player. Single player. There are certain level elements that don't spawn unless you encounter someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, the body I drop. Yeah, this uh, didn't go exactly as I had hoped. Nonetheless, my point was with this question set was mostly that ink is interesting in single player and in multiplayer it's fairly boring and irrelevant and that it's therefore uh or it's not boring and irrelevant it's a little bit strong but in multiplayer i feel like um the ink doesn't define the same sort of complex gameplay that makes the single player so interesting and i wanted to try to get at that by I guess uh, yeah, I felt a little differently because this is also an exaggeration, but I felt a little like ink sticking to the ground didn't matter nearly so much in single player as it did in as it did in multiplayer. I feel like so much of single player is determined by your ability to be stealthy and your ability to um account for enemy attack patterns and or dynamic environmental uh, obstacles that you're constantly engaged with inking the ground. Okay. You feel like when you're playing the single player, you are more just worried about killing enemies than anything else? Uh, yeah, mm. I feel like it could just be a gun game. I don't know about that, but... Especially in rank, that is the case in ranked mode. But in turf four, I think there's a balance between knowing when to kill and knowing when to just aim. There's so much stuff in the single player though that couldn't just be a gun game. I mean, just take the sponge example you used earlier. Like, what's the equivalent of that from Gears of War or something or Doom? Yeah. Well, in Doom, there are some switches you have to shoot. Right, like you could. You, I mean. The point being that you could aim at a gun and shoot a sponge and have it grow, but, like, the fact that you can paint every single inch of the ground doesn't have as big an impact on single player as it does on multiplayer. You don't have enemies moving around the arena as dynamically as you do in multiplayer. But in the final boss battle, is there any way to win that without inking the ground? Well, no. I mean... But not every ground. Well, right, exactly. It's not as, um universally focused because it's I mean I think that that's what Turf War takes away from it that inking every ground is not as interesting as choosing which ground to ink well you do choose which ground to ink in Turf War because you want to plan a route so you yeah I would say a Turf War makes it so that there are more ways to think about what ground you have to ink because you have opponents that are thinking rather than have some simple routine based on when they see you. But do you account for your opponent's thinking? When we just went through that set well, of questions, the answer was no. Right. I I guess it feels like there's potential but, for that, at least. But you should, is the real yeah. is, is the take away from that. 
Yeah, I, I understand that the tools are there in place, and I do think it is a very good system for multiplayer, but I also don't think the multiplayer actually actualizes that. Okay. I mean, I think ultimately, because of the um, limitations and um, random aspects of the multiplayer, the system ends up being much more uh, strategic with just your limited or I mean with your predictable elements that you get from the single player that you can make better informed decisions in multi in, in single player yeah I feel like determining whether to lure an enemy sniper to fire at me and then hide with um, squid away to hide and then uh, determine whether to fire at him or create a new path next is more engaging than do I shoot an area in front of me now and like hope it doesn't get taken back by the enemy yeah I guess you're getting into the territory of interesting choices being powered by how much knowledge you can have about the game state and like how much you can think about what your opponents are thinking that an arbitrary choice is not an interesting choice yeah, and as a matter of fact, although I, again, think it is weirdly limited, I enjoyed the one-versus-one multiplayer more than the team matches. That one's not even about covering turf, it's about killing your enemies and, pump- and shooting other things for points. I yeah, could, I could use more time in that. That's why I said I, I think it's weirdly limited. I would like to see a different mode than just the race to the balloons, but I think the game suits itself for one versus one i i would like a a free-for-all with four players that'd be cool i was really surprised that there was not free-for-all especially because of how like anytime i try to play a team match in smash everyone's like no who plays team matches (laughs) (laughs) team matches are fun Uh, do you have free-for-all like call of duty matches or uh, Team Fortress 2? You can. Well, Team Fortress 2 is uh, a little bit more about the team stuff. <laughs> Free but for all Fortress. Fortress. I think even in Team Fortress 2 there is. A- uh, but do yeah, people actually, it, like, is that the mode people talk about? No, no, that's the mode anyone likes playing. And same with Call of Duty, it's mostly team matches. So I think that about does it in terms of Splatoon. Uh, anyone have additional comments about the um, ink or uh, the single player versus multiplayer? One thing that this question set made me think was that uh, being able to cover any part of the environment, like, it's one of those easy to start, hard to master kind of games where, like, anyone can just pick up a controller and shoot stuff. But the fact that your paint lingers on the environment means that your choices pick up the complexity of whatever environment you're in. So it's interesting that, yeah, it's like simple to do anything, but complex to pick what to do. Whereas in like Devil May Cry, uh, doing a combo, a specific combo is going to be complex, but also has a high barrier to entry. Right, and even evaluating what the benefit of that is is difficult. I, I think that 
a better comparison is destructible environments, uh, where in Splatoon, you have an interactive environment, but it's not destructible, and therefore, instead of having to deal with, like, I don't know, stacking things and determining how things are going to fall or with physics or any of that stuff, the environment just has a binary or um, three-way state where it's either inked, not inked, or inked with enemy ink. Um, I thought about at Destructible Environments, and the only experience I had was playing Red Faction with you, but even then, that was like, you wanted to destroy as much of the environment as possible, but it's not like how destroyed it was mattered. If Yeah, I don't think Red Faction's a very good example. I think a better example would be something like Minecraft. Although okay. That doesn't have a lot of strategic gameplay to it. That's something uh, I have, like, zero knowledge of. It doesn't have goals, but... The goal is in your heart. Yeah. That's nice. But, yeah, Red Faction's not a great comparison. That was uh, less about destructible environments and more a demolitions game. Although, taking into account where you are and are not... Destroying all your cover is important. Is everyone going to keep playing Splatoon for the many months to come? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's not good. Yes. It's fun to put it in for some multiplayer, and uh, I've just this morning started working on getting all the lore. So that's pretty cool. Really? You didn't do that as you played? No. Because the game is fun as is. No, oh, okay. I'm getting the lore now because I want an excuse to replay it. Okay. Alright, in closing, Wario fan, how are you uh, going to vote on the Greek referendum? None. Alright. Shouty, uh, what are you going to vote? Yeah, I'm not old enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's okay, because the polls closed like six hours ago. Uh, oh. And Golem, how are you going to vote? Uh, I feel uncomfortable that this is a question. <laughs> I, I feel like we're pretty safely in the realm of not ever talking about anything contentious. And like the fact that Greek might be leaving the Eurozone or... It's just, it's a weirdo complicated issue, and it makes me uncomfortable to think that someone's going to listen to what I said about it. I think we just got too political. I think we just got too political. Oh, well, <laughs> you don't need to worry, because I was just going to say I think they should kill all the Greeks anyway, no, no. so it's not like... <laughs> right, and whatever out. I say will look better next to what you say. Right, plus they'll all be dead, so who's going <laughs> to Good lord. And also... Then they can make Soylent Green or whatever. So, now that we've resolved all the world's socio-political issues as well as Splatoon, do we have any final words? In that case... I can't believe I'm done with Popful Mail. No, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't asking everyone. (laughs) I had like three seconds to think of a final word. (laughs) Uh... I can't believe anyone's ever played Popful Mail. <laughs> can't believe I made all of you play Popful Mail. 
I can't believe there's like some subculture that recommends to people to play Pop Mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so there you go. We any damage that we've done to the grease situation, we've now resolved by doing the world a favor and steering them clear of Popple Mail. So that's pretty even, Steven. Yeah. Anyway, thank you all for joining me for Splattercast 08, and uh, I'll see you on the next cast. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Do we normally all say bye at the end? <laughs> no. All music from this podcast was taken from Splatoon. Your host was yourself, and I, Greg Livingston, a.k.a. Golem, have been your producer. If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com. <laughs>